Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, July 18th, 2021, we continue our new series titled After Life. Today's sermon, What Is It Like in Heaven, will be taught to us by Pastor Ed Lutz. Enjoy. The reality is everybody goes somewhere forever. And uh, one of those places is heaven, which is what we're going to talk about today for those of us who know the Lord. But a lot of people out there are propagating a lot of different theories on what comes after this life. And one of the things that Brendan so well hit was that our authority isn't those people or their worldview, but it's the Bible, because this is the inerrant all truthful word of God. And so I'm going to do my best not to comment a whole lot on passages, but to read it because I cannot do a better job of explaining this than what the Lord has already provided in his word. And so I hope you will be encouraged today as we talk about heaven. But before we start, let me pray for us. Father, your word says that you are good and upright and that you instruct sinners in the way. We are sinful. We desperately are in need of you. So I just pray that this morning you would instruct us in the way that we would understand. You also tell us in your word that you lead the humble in what is right and that you teach the humble his way. So we come humbly this morning before you. And as we open up your word, would you teach us what is right? We've been told a lot of things that are incorrect, and I just pray that we would trust and rely on the word of God to set us straight, and that in the end, you would get all the glory of which you are so worthy. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, we are going to take a journey, going to take a trip. We are going to take a trip to heaven this morning, and we actually have the privilege of having some tour guides, some biblical tour guides. There are a lot of them in the scripture. We're only going to focus on a couple, but we actually have some accounts in scripture of people who have seen heaven, have gotten glimpses of heaven, and thank the Lord they wrote it down. (laughs) And so we're going to have the privilege of seeing what awaits us who know Jesus Christ. We have a main outline a main point today. So if you have your Highlands app, uh, it is there, but here's what I would love for you to walk away with today. And I'm sure there'll be some great lunch conversations, but here's the point of today is as believers in Jesus Christ, when we die, like if it's tomorrow, we are forever with God, right? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Praise the Lord. But our eternal home, and this is what may be somewhat new to us, but our eternal home is a yet future new earth where God will forever dwell with us. So we're gonna do a little two-parter today. We're gonna talk about the present heaven, and then we're gonna talk about the future new earth and the new heavens that God will create, which will be our eternal home. Is that new part a little bit, that second part a little bit new for you? But I want to assure you, come strictly out of the word of God, and we are going to spend really a third of our time talking about that place. What is the new heaven and the new earth, and what's it going to look like? So hang on, hang on. 
Uh, you know, first off, on our, on our outline, we have a point that says, well, what are people saying about heaven? I'm sure you've heard many things. There are books, there are movies written. Uh, TV series have been done about heaven. If you were to go onto Amazon and type in heaven, you would basically see an entire genre, it appears, of, of books about people who have been transported or have died and come back or, or who have had near-death experiences. And, and they write down what they saw. And it's fascinating for a lot of us to hear those accounts because we all want to know what it's like. All we know about reality is what we're able to see and experience, and yet we believe that heaven is a future reality, but yet it's beyond our grasp. And so some of these accounts are encouraging, some of them are confusing. What are we to make about all of those? Well, can I just encourage you that the Bible has several people, and we believe that the Bible is the inerrant, truthful word of God, and so what we read and hear, this is where we need to base our perspective and our worldview, and a lot of times it's gonna not align with what is being told out there by different people. But did you know that we have some major prophets who have actually seen the throne room of God. For example, the prophet Isaiah, when he is called into prophetic ministry in Isaiah chapter six, sees the throne room of God, seraphim, angelic beings are flying around. They, they hide their face because the, the glory and the splendor of God is, and they've got their wings and they're covering their feet. There's a sense of unworthiness. And Isaiah is in the throne room of God and he sees the Lord sitting on the throne and he says, woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Why? Because he has seen the king, the Lord of hosts. See, it's instantly made aware to Isaiah that God is holy, he's, he's majestic, he's all-powerful. And when he sees the glory of God, he realizes, I am so sinful, I am unworthy to even be in this place. So what gets highlighted is his sinfulness, in comparison to the holiness of God, the uh, prophet Ezekiel has a, a glimpse of heaven a couple different places, and he essentially says the same thing. He says when he sees the throne room, he falls on his face. He hits the deck just like that. Daniel, in one of his visions in Daniel chapter 10, sees what he calls the son of man, which we might believe is Jesus pre-incarnate, and he says... No strength was left in me. I retained no strength and I fell on my face to the ground. Now this sounds a lot different than a warm light drawing me, the sense of belonging, never wanting to leave. Right, when you see, when you hear these accounts of people who have been taken to heaven and back, this sounds radically different, these, this glimpse of heaven, doesn't it? And the one that we're gonna rely upon the most later at the end of Revelation, but John says, the Apostle John says in Revelation 1, when he sees the glorified Christ, that when I saw him, I fell on my face, and it's as if I were dead. So I have a feeling when he fell, that was like, <laughs> there's no getting slowly down on your knees. He just collapsed because he saw the glory of God. So those are some biblical accounts of people who have seen the throne room of God. Vastly different than what we are probably hearing and seeing from some of these books and some of these documentaries, right? So what is our biblical response supposed to be to those? Well, first of all, can I just show you, uh, we have a list of people here who have been dead. They actually died and were resurrected, were brought back to life, and several of them in the scriptures. So if we can put, and uh, 
Here's one thing that I find rather unique. We, at least to the best of our knowledge, unless they wrote it down and it got lost, all of these people on this list have died, and yet we have no record of what it was like while they were dead. I mean, you think about Lazarus. A lot of you know that story. He was dead for three days. The Lord came, raised him up from the grave, had a big party. You would think that Lazarus would have walked around. Let me tell you what those three days were like. Oh, my goodness. No written account. And even if there were oral stories, they, they didn't last long. So I think we need to be cautious. Can I just share with you just as a pastor, just be cautious when you hear some of those things that are being said about heaven by people who claim to have gone there because what we see from the prophets is a radically different picture and we actually have people here who have died and yet we don't know that they shared anything at all. One final verse, you know, people talk about, well, I saw this really warm light, bright light, and I couldn't see, and it kind of was drawing me into what I think was the presence of God. Well, the Apostle Paul says this about Satan, that Paul was warning the Corinthian church, they're false teachers, they're false apostles. They're disguising themselves, claiming to do work in the name of Jesus. But let me tell you, they're not true. They're liars, don't believe them. They're deceivers. Why are they deceivers? Because they're of their father, the devil, essentially. And Paul says, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Interesting, an angel of light. Wouldn't it be just like the devil to give a false sense of security to a non-believer who has a near-death experience or maybe has claimed to have died and come back to have a false sense of security. Oh, when I die, I'm okay because I saw this great white light. I'm, I'm good. That must be heaven. Right? Now, I'm not discounting all of those, and I'm sure some of you want to come up and ask me questions. We're going to have plenty of time to do that. And by the way, we, uh, we have the ability for you to ask questions. I forgot to do this at the beginning, but if, if we can put that text thing on the screen, if you have questions during this series, you have the ability to text your question to us, and so we will be able to answer some of those later as well. But, but can you be cautious? Rely upon the examples in Scripture. Rely upon what God's Word teaches. Don't be so quick to believe what other people claim to be true. See what God's word says to be true. Are we good on that first point? Yes. All right. Ready to talk about heaven? Well, let's talk about the present heaven. What does the Bible teach about the present heaven? First of all, let me just give you a little bit of a, uh, a short overview. When the Bible talks about heaven or the heavens, uh, there essentially would be three heavens, right? The birds fly in the heaven. So where the clouds are, the atmosphere, where the birds fly, where airplanes fly, that's often called that. First layer would be the first heaven. Then the Bible talks about a second heaven. That's where the stars are, the planets, the moon, the sun, the galaxies. And then the third heaven, Paul says that he was caught up to the third heaven and he's able to see where God is. The third heaven is the abode or the dwelling place of God and the angels and those who have gone to be with the Lord. All right, so that's kind of the overview. If you ever read the Bible and you say the third heaven, what's that? Well, that's where God is, okay? So there's just a, a, a quick overview of the types of heaven. But let's talk about the present heaven. And you're gonna hear a word, and it's on your outline, the word intermediate. Have you ever heard the word intermediate like in the terms of the intermediate state? When we die, 
We go to what, we're in this intermediate state, this in-between state. Now, that's not purgatory. I'm not talking about that. Essentially, the present heaven, we know that when we die, our bodies go in the ground and our spirits go to be with the Lord. So there's this temporary separation of our spirit or our souls with our body. Now, at some point, we are gonna be resurrected, the Bible tells us that, and our souls will be reunited with our resurrected, glorified body. Gonna be a wonderful day. But for the in-between time, presently, when we die, our souls go to be in the presence of Jesus and our bodies are in the ground. That's what's called the intermediate state. So let's talk about the present heaven. Can I just give you a few points? In the present heaven, we are with Jesus Christ. That should be enough right there. We're with Jesus Christ. Paul says that we would rather be away from this body and at home, interesting word, that's our home, with the Lord. That's where we're going and we will be with Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Philippians 1, we just finished that book study, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it's better to depart this earth so we can be with Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was looking forward to. We're gonna talk a little bit later about this Matthew 17 passage, but the disciples at one point have a glimpse of, of Jesus in all of his glory, and there appears Moses and Elijah there. But it's interesting, Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus Christ. So when we get to heaven, we will be with Jesus. What did Jesus tell the thief on the cross? Today you'll be with me, where? In paradise. You'll be with me. Now if you're the thief on the cross, you probably think, gosh, I wish you would have said tomorrow. I guess I'm dying today, wow. But today you're gonna be with me. So you're gonna die today, and as soon as you die, you are with me in paradise with Jesus Christ. And one of the early leaders in the church, a young man named Stephen, was preaching the gospel. The crowd didn't like it, so what do they do? They pick up stones, big heavy rocks, and they start chucking them at Stephen. He's being stoned to death, and it says as he was dying, he looked up into heaven, the clouds parted, and he sees Jesus standing next to the throne of God, and he says, Jesus, receive my spirit. See, when we die, our spirits go to be with Jesus Christ. That's the first point. Secondly, what else do we know? In the present heaven, we experience rest. Rest, I don't know about you, man, but the older I get, the better this sounds. <laughs> My body's starting to wear out, starting to make noises and creak and things I've never experienced before. I'm ready. But the Bible says, blessed are those are the dead who die, what, in the Lord. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. You know, some of us have lost some loved ones who have battled hard. Some of us might be in the midst of uh, fighting a life battle with a cancer or some other ailment. Can I just encourage you that at some point when we get to heaven with Jesus Christ, that battle will be over, we will be with Jesus Christ, and we will be at complete rest. All the toils and the cares and the agony of this life that some of us have endured will be gone, and we will have incredible rest. In the present heaven, we are reunited with loved ones. Some people have sent some questions in, and they've asked about this one. 
Will we know people? Will we be with those who have left? Well, let's look at a couple verses here. 1 Thessalonians chapter four, Paul writes, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, euphemism, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. You see, those who don't know the Lord, who don't have the hope of future eternal life, their grief is deep and lasting. But those who know the Lord, that grief is much less burdensome because of the future life that we have. God will bring with him, when the Lord returns, those who have fallen asleep or have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them. You see, Jesus is gonna come back, and he's gonna bring back all of those who have died and are currently with him. And those of us that are left will be caught up, and there's gonna be this massive reunion. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, we had family reunions, and we always held them in different parts of the, the, the southeast, and family from all different states would come. And I'd see cousins I'd only see once a year, but it was still an incredible experience because of the reunion that I could have with all of those, those relatives, and that's what we see here. And then one more verse about the present heaven, which is gonna help us jump into some passages today, but... In the present heaven, we are reunited with believing loved ones who have died. And we look at Hebrews chapter 12. And the writer says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We're gonna talk about that, by the way. So there's a city of God. What's it called? The heavenly Jerusalem. So there's a city in heaven, which is cool, <laughs> Right? So you wonder where your loved ones are. We're gonna see them in this verse. So there's this heavenly city, the heavenly Jerusalem, and who's in there? An innumerable number of angels. So angels will be there. To the general assembly in the church of the firstborn, I believe that's the church. The church of the firstborn, Jesus to the spirits of just men made perfect. A lot of commentators think that's the Old Testament saints. Saints. So right now in the present heaven, there's this heavenly Jerusalem. Angels are there. Those who have belonged to Jesus Christ who have died and are part of the church, they're there. Old Testament saints are there. And a couple of verses in that chapter we, that well, we didn't read, Jesus is there. God the Father is there. The Spirit is there. So that is who we will be with in the present heaven. And there's the heavenly city, the heavenly Jerusalem. And lastly, we will experience unending joy. In your presence, the psalmist says in Psalm 16, there is fullness of joy, complete joy, no lack of joy. And at your right hand, God's right hand, are pleasures for how long? Forever. Unending, forever pleasures in the presence of God and unending, complete, full joy. How does that sound? <laughs> that is the present heaven. So if you've lost some relatives to whatever, illness or tragedy, they are in the presence of Jesus Christ and that is some of the stuff that they are experiencing. Incredible, incredible. Well, 
We actually have a picture of what that looks like. Did you know that the Bible gives us a picture of some people who are there and what they're experiencing? Because people think, well, if my body's in the ground and I'm just a soul, am I floating around? What's it like? Sounds kind of weird. Well, John, if you have your Bibles, this is not on the screen. If you will turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter six or open up your cell phone and find Revelation six, we're reading the ESV version. But God gives John a vision and he's able to see the present heaven and there are people there. And this is what he sees in Revelation chapter six. And we'll just look at verses nine through 11. So if you wonder what it's gonna be like besides what we just talked about, let's just take a look. So we got a tour guide here, the apostle John. And he says in verse nine, when he opened the fifth seal, that's Jesus Christ. These are the, 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 the seal, the judgments of God here. Jesus opens the fifth seal. I saw under the altar, possibly the altar of incense. We know in, uh, in uh, chapter five, verse eight, it talks about the altar of incense when the prayers, where the prayers of the saints are. And so he sees under the altar, what? The souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. See, these are people who are, who have died during the seven-year tribulation period. You know, we, we, a couple of years ago, maybe several years ago, we studied the book of Revelation, and we know that, we believe that there's coming a future tribulation period, a seven-year time of, of unbelievable destruction and judgment from God. And at this time, the Antichrist would have been ruling any of those people who do not follow him, he will put to death. And so these are people who have been martyred for Jesus Christ during the tribulation at the hand of the Antichrist. And they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And each of them were given a white robe and told to rest, there's that word, rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants, more people are gonna die, that's what it says, and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. It's just a couple observations. We're actually seeing people in heaven, in the present heaven. Just some observations. What do we see? First, they're with the Lord, talking, right? They're with other believers. They're souls, that's plural. They're fully alive. How do you know they're fully alive? Well, they have memories. They remember what happened to them. They can see. They speak, they hear, they're expressing emotion, fully alive. Now what's interesting about that last verse, these are souls, right? And it says that a robe gets put on them. Does that mean there's form? I thought you said, Ed, that our bodies are in the ground, they're gonna be resurrected in the future, and we're just a soul in heaven. How can these people have a robe? Uh, some people, Teach, use this passage and a couple others to say that uh, we have, maybe there's a temporary body we have until we get our resurrected body. And they cite Matthew 17 where Moses and Elijah had bodies. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 says, I don't want to be naked <laughs> in, you know, in the next heaven. 
We know people in heaven, have, some people have bodies. Elijah and Enoch, they never died. They were taken up. Plus, who do we know that has a body? Jesus Christ. So he's there in a body. So some people would say, maybe in the intermediate state, we have a temporary body until ours comes out of the ground. I don't know that there's really concrete evidence for that. Um, but I don't think it matters. I don't think we're gonna care <laughs> when we're in the presence of Jesus Christ experiencing all those things that we had talked about. So whether we have a body or not in the next, in the intermediate state, all I know is we're with Jesus Christ and we're, it's an inexpressible joy. But we do know that our f- resurrection body is yet to come. But isn't that an interesting passage? Right? They haven't... They haven't received their resurrected body. These are people who are in heaven right now. And look at all those things, same things we experience. Fully human, fully alive. Well, let's turn to Revelation chapter 21 and 22. I got about 10 minutes. Hang in there with me. We're gonna get through this and I hope you will be super stoked about what we are about to read. You know, this... The outline said that when we die, we will be with Jesus. That's the present heaven. But our main point is our eternal home is the still future new earth. God's gonna create a new earth, and that's gonna be our eternal home. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, we're gonna read it here in these two chapters, Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. But in order for that new earth, the new heaven to come, he's gotta destroy the current heavens. New earth. Now, there's no need for God to destroy the third heaven. That's already a perfect place. But in terms of our atmosphere and the galaxies and, and, and the planetary heaven, God's going to redo that and make that all completely new. Well, how do you know that? Well, we know that the present heavens and earth will be destroyed. Isaiah in chapter 65 and 66 tells us that God will make a new heaven and a new earth. And the passage that a lot of us might be familiar with is in 2 Peter. Peter writes this in chapter three, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Here it is. And then the heavens will pass away with the roar. And the heavenly bodies, those are the stars, the planets, asteroids, all that, will be burned up and dissolved in the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are awaiting what? New heavens and new earth. So this is future. So let's talk about our future eternal home. I think some of this is probably gonna be new to us. Man, I've never really thought about this, or I haven't finished reading my Bible yet. I haven't gotten to the end of Revelation. This is gonna be my first time through it. It's all good. This is God's word, and he's got it figured out. Let's look at Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So that's what we just read by Peter. Interesting, some people are discouraged because apparently in the new heaven and the new earth, there's no ocean. Some people think that's symbolic. Maybe it's just a symbol of, of, of danger and peril. You know, the ocean back to the ancients was a, was a frightening place. It, it, it separated people by great distances. The storms would, you know, take ships down. So people feared the sea. So some people feel it's just a way of being symbolic and, and there's no more danger, there's nothing to worry about, but it, 
If you take a literal reading, apparently in the new earth, there's no sea. And I saw the holy city. Remember that city we saw in Hebrews chapter 12? The city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem? Well, guess what? It's not staying there. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice, probably an angelic voice, from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Remember when God created Adam and Eve? God made an earth, put mankind on the earth and what did he do? He came and walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. See, it's always been God's intention to come be with us. And this is, this is the end game. This is the fulfillment, the climax of all human history, ushering in an e- of all eternity. God makes a place for mankind to eternally dwell, brand new heaven, brand new earth, city of heaven comes down, is gonna land right here, it's gonna dwell on the earth, and it says God will be here with us. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, don't let that blow your mind, because there's a lot more coming. Verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, that's so good. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Amen. For the former things have passed away. That's good, huh? You wanna see what the city's like? I'm gonna skip a little bit. Let's jump down to uh, verse 15. Actually, let's look at verse nine. Verse nine. Then one of the angels who had seven last plagues spoke to me saying, come, I wanna show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away to the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city. Let's, another tour guide. Coming down out of heaven, having the glory of God. Its radiance was like the most rare jewel, like jasper. Clear as crystal. Most people think that's a diamond. Jasper's not necessarily a clear gem, but... The clarity here makes people think that's a a diamond. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gate names, and, and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. So you got four walls, three gates on each side, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles. So you've, so you've basically got a symbol of God's covenant relationship with his people, the nation of Israel and the church, the people of God here. And the one who spoke with me, verse 15, had a measuring rod. This is a real place. I don't think an angel would take out a ruler and measure it if this was just merely symbolic. How big is it? Verse 16, the city, it lies four square. Its length, the same as its width. And he measured it with his rod, 12,000 stadia. That's about 1,400 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. So check this out. The city, the heavenly Jerusalem, will come down, reside on earth. Think of it as the capital city now on the new earth. Over two million square miles. This is just a city. Essentially, it's from Dallas to Los Angeles. 
half the size of the United States. Some people say, think of the moon. It's essentially bringing something the size of the moon and putting it on Earth. 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles. So this city is 1,400 miles high, and we know our atmosphere only goes about 60 miles. You can see God's created a new heavens and a new earth. (laughs) We're gonna live in a city that extends far into what we would think of as our current space. Now, how high is that? Well, let's say that uh, it's 1,400 miles, and there's a building, and, and all, maybe there's some places for us to live in one of these buildings. A 1,400-mile building would be over 730,000 stories high. You know, it was just my luck. I'd be on the top floor. I'd get ready to get in, and all of a sudden, some little kid jumps in, hits all the buttons, you know, and then <laughs> it'd take me all eternity just to get to the first floor, you know, but, but I can't be mad at him because it's heaven, you know? I don't know. I think there's room, what do you think? Is there enough room for us? And now verses 18 goes all the way through and it says that the wall was built of jasper and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The ancients didn't have the privilege we have of having glass that's just so clear. You know, if you found a piece of glass that was clear and it wasn't somehow cloudy, that was the highest quality glass you can imagine back then. So this is the highest quality gold. And it says the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. So just for the sake of time, I'm gonna skip those, but there are 12 gems listed there. And we don't even know what some of those gems are because maybe they're unique to that time. Verse 21 says the 12 gates of the city, right, there are 12 gates. Each of the 12 gates is its own pearl, which is the most valued stone in that time. So each gate is a massive pearl of the city, and the street of the city was gold like transparent glass. That's not the kind of gold we have. Boy, that's a heavenly gold. Streets of gold, there it is. Is that really true? There it is. Verse 22, and I saw no temple in the city. Why? For its temple is the Lord, the God Almighty, and the Lamb. Jesus and God are there. <laughs> the city illuminates the glory of God. The city has no need of sun or moon or shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. Now check out the next verse. By its light will nations walk, and kings of the what? Earth will bring their glory into it. So this is just the city, but there's a new earth. There's an entire new earth where people will be living and residing. And it says here, nations and kings will come from wherever they are on the new earth and they're gonna bring the best that they have into the city as an act of worship to God. So besides this massive new Jerusalem, you got a brand new earth, free from the curse. Amazing. Verse 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter, nor anyone who does what is detestable. They've all been judged. The only people here, the only people remaining are believers in Jesus Christ. But only those names whose, whose names are written in the book of life. So to live here, to have heaven in the, the future new earth as your eternal home, you have to have your name in the book of life. How do you get your name in the book of life? 
If this is a city that you can't wait to see, and if this is a new earth that you can't wait to explore, right? Come and go, and gates are open. <laughs> if this is where you want to be, or if you're not sure if this is where you're going to be, you got to get your names written in the book of life. How do you do that? You give your life to Jesus Christ. You see, how we started off our, our uh, time together was praying, confessing the fact that we are all sinners. Right? If we were to see God on his throne like the Isaiah the prophet, we would recognize that he is holy. We're not. We are merely sinful people. We are not worthy to be in the presence of God. So how did God fix that? He sent his son from heaven to earth, lived a perfect life, and he paid for our sins, shed his blood because it should have been ours that was shed. He shed his blood on the cross to offer forgiveness. And they put him in the ground Three days later, he came back to life, conquered death. So the only way that we can conquer death is to place our faith in the one who died for us and rose again. And when we do that, our names are written in the book of life. And let me just end with this, verse chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. There's a river there. has the water of life bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. See, the one who gives life is God himself. And it's flowing through the middle of the street of the city. And also on either side of the river, the tree of life and its 12 kinds of fruit were yielding fruit each month. Some people think, well, is this is how we live forever? Some people believe we will live forever because we eat of the tree of life. That will be our sustenance. I, I tend to think it's just symbolic of eternal life, but you know where this tree was before? This is the tree of life that God had put in the Garden of Eden. Well, now here we are at the end of history, and now it's in the new Jerusalem. The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And here's the verse that blows my mind, verse four. And we will see his face, and his name will be written on our foreheads. Bible says we can't look upon God the Father. And if if we were to see God the Father, uh, see God the Father in all of His essence, we would die. But did you know that Jesus also said in Matthew chapter five that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, at this point, we are in our resurrected, glorified bodies, no sin, holy, and in that condition, in that new life, in that new place, in that new body, we will be able to look upon the face of God. Unbelievable experience. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. I hope you know that this is your home. I hope you're encouraged by the fact that, you know, we have some people, we can bring the worship team up right now. I hope uh, you know that when your loved ones die and go to heaven, there's a city, they're with the saints of old, they're with other believers, they're with Jesus Christ, they're experiencing unending joy, unending immeasurable treasures, fully alive, it's an incredible place but yet God is still preparing a future new heaven and a new earth where we will eternally dwell. That is our eternal home. And I'm super excited about that. I hope your name is written in the book of life. If you're not sure, 
come see me after the service and we could talk and maybe clear up any questions for you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you create us, you love us, you care for us, and even when this life is over, you take us to yourself to be in the presence of you, the holy angels, to reunite us with our loved ones, to have complete joy. But Lord, that's just a, a temporary place. We recognize that someday you will raise our bodies up from the grave, give us glorified, resurrected bodies where we will be able to walk these streets of gold, walk the new earth, experience things that we can not even imagine. Thank you for this picture that John paints. Thank you that it's true, that we can trust your word. I just pray that there are people here who have been fearful of eternity or heaven, that they walk out encouraged, knowing what you have in store for all of us who love Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, you probably have some questions. <laughs> and so if you have questions as a result of today, don't forget that you can text your questions into us and we are gonna be working on a plan to answer those. So feel free to text those as they come to you this week. Remember, we're just in the middle of this series. Next week, Pastor Joe's gonna come and he's gonna talk about the eternal destiny of those people whose names are not written in the book of life. He'll be talking about hell, and then we will close our series with Jay Branson as he talks about now what do we do? In light of what we know and have learned, how should we live? Will you bring somebody next week? Will you invite somebody? This is a topic that most people would be engaged and intrigued by. What a great opportunity to bring somebody to the church. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week.